Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to Daryl for 32 years, mom to eight kids, ages 17 to 30, and Nana to seven. Um, I'm also the author of The Four Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life. If you have not checked that out, please do so. You can go to my website, you can go to Amazon, or any of your favorite booksellers. Well, Today, we're going to be talking again about struggling learners. Many parents um, homeschool their kids because they have one or more struggling learners, but often they feel ill-equipped and inadequate for the job, and they know that the traditional classroom setting isn't working, but they lack the confidence that they'd like to have when teaching their child at home. My friend Peggy Ployhar is joining me again today. Um, in the last podcast, we talked about homeschooling with confidence when teaching a struggling learner. And today we are uh, talking about homeschooling a struggling learner through high school. So uh, this is the time when parents with average students begin to sweat bullets. Um, but if you've got a struggling learner, the thought of meeting all the traditionally standard criteria for high school can feel just plain hope, hopeless, but fear not. Um, my friend Peggy, like I said, is joining me again today, and this time we're going to talk about homeschooling with confidence when teaching a struggling learner in high school. So uh, I'm going to give a quick intro um, in case you missed the last episode. If you missed the last episode, I'd encourage you to go and listen to it. Also, share it with anybody, anyone you know who um, is thinking about homeschooling and has a struggling learner or is already homeschooling. Um, you can't get enough encouragement, right? And, and that podcast is a real encouragement. So I'm going to give a little intro. Uh, Peggy Ployhar, SPED homeschool founder and CEO, is a physicist turned home educator who left a lucrative career in the medical device industry to teach struggling learners in her own home after her oldest son's diagnosis with Asperger syndrome. Peggy founded SPED Homeschool in 2017 after working for over a decade as a special needs homeschooling consultant and while home educating her own struggling learners. She now leads an organization that empowers thousands of families across the globe each year to teach their struggling learners at home. Peggy and her husband, Doug, live in League City, Texas, where they still homeschool the youngest of their three children, um, who are 24, 22, and 16. And she will be the first to admit that they definitely homeschool differently, but that approach over the last um, 19 years has led to many wonderful adventures as well as personal and family victories. Welcome back, Peggy. I'm so glad you're here with me again. Thanks for having me, Dorinda. Yeah, I'm excited to share again, too. Our last conversation was so good and so encouraging. Um, I just think, you know, I always feel like an encouraged parent is always a better parent, and certainly an encouraged homeschooling parent is a better homeschooling parent. So um, so let's talk about homeschooling a struggling learner through high school. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yes. Now, this is, these are the years. I, I, I feel so torn because so many parents say, oh, I got my child to high school. Now I have to just put them back in that high school. And um, the, it, you know, even for regular students, I wouldn't encourage that. But for special needs and struggling learners, I really, really don't encourage that because their paths are so unique. And the, the school model is created to make our children more of a cookie cutter version of what we we would think needs to be released into the world, then these, these extremely unique children we have. 
And they are truly gifts to this world if we can cultivate that gift. And so I I hope that in this half an hour that I can really talk a lot about how do you do that? How do you do that confidently and um, not revert back (laughs) to, oh, well, everybody else does high school like this. Shouldn't we be doing it the same way? And or shouldn't we be reaching these same standards? And instead think that these are the years that... um, that you have the most opportunity to take advantage of the uniqueness of your child and to bring that into something that they feel confident to take to the world. I love it. I, I, I'd love to hear the three, you have three main things that you're yes. wanting to, to, to tackle. And, um, I, I have the privilege of having the notes in front of me. So I'm, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm listening with bated breath and, <laughs> What is she going to say about this? So dive right into those three points. All right. So the first is mitigating over remediation. The way the school system is set up is that when children struggle, we remediate, which means that we try to fix them, to make them more like everybody else. So if they struggle in reading, we spend the majority of their their schooling time on helping them be better readers. If they struggle in math, we spend the majority of the time helping them where they struggle in math. And oftentimes I will give, when I'm speaking to audiences, this analogy is that I hate cleaning my house. I got to the point where I actually told my husband, I just need somebody to come in and clean my house because it is so overwhelming for me. And we we can do this with our kids when we homeschool is that my husband could say to me, well, no, let's find a way to um, take everything out of your schedule. So all you can have time left to do is clean the house (laughs) because then it should be easier, wouldn't it? (laughs) No, not really. I think I would just stay in bed that day. (laughs) Right, right. I'm thinking, yeah, so you can have more time to do the thing you hate. Right, exactly. (laughs) That's motivating. That that is exactly what we do to children who struggle Mm. in the traditional school system. Instead, why don't we make school about things that they're good at? Because these are the things that they have gifts in that they will thrive in in learning environments, but as well as um, job environments and community environments. And so, yes, we do need to remediate, but we just take that bit by bit slowly. And I'll give this example. My oldest um, was not a reader for a long, long time. And, you know, I felt that anxiety creeping in. But as I prayed, God just really led me to the point of giving him lots of audiobooks. And I thought, okay, we're going to just flood this child full of literature. And we did read out louds at home, but we also, I also gave him audiobooks based on what the units were that we were studying so he could go dive deeper, give him extra audiobooks on anything else he wanted to be, you know, to know about. And, and then day by day, we worked on the phonics, we worked on the reading, and we lived in a state that required testing. And I, so every year we tested and he was a non-reader. And at age 12, he still tested as a non-reader, and I'm kind of getting that panic, but saying, okay, God, I just trust you. Um, within one year, he learned to read, and by the next year when we tested, he was reading at college level. But what I learned through the process was instilling that love for literature, that love for learning, giving him books in the form of the audio version, he was picking up the 
vocabulary. He was understanding the grammar. It wasn't stuff that I had to teach to him because he was absorbing it. And the, the reading just took longer, but I didn't have to to push it because he would eventually get it. And some kids won't get to that point. My middle child never finished algebra. And I, I just had to, to die to that fact that he just won't finish algebra. Right, right. <laughs> and um, and that we we did other subjects instead in high school. We He learned to do finances. He actually set up an entire program on how to track the prices of different components for the computer he wanted to build so that he could buy them at their cheapest price and build the cheapest computer. And I thought, well, it wasn't that ingenious because that's how you really use math in the world. And he's going to use that more than he's going to use algebra. (laughs) Right. And there he's using the concepts, like he's getting what math is, you know, instead of just going through the motions and memorizing and, you know, just... regurgitating whatever he's taught what the textbook was was requiring him to learn at that point making it more applicable and and so that's what i mean by by mitigating you take the things that your kids are good at the things that they're interested in and you interweave them instead of just going well we got to keep plugging away at this because this is what you're bad at and reminding them every day that this is something you struggle in and that you got to get better at this but we then we leave off all those things that they do well at. And sometimes we don't consider them even subjects in high school, but we have to make them subjects in high school. Because um, I was interviewing somebody a while ago and they said, you know, if your child has something on their transcript that is out of the ordinary, that actually sticks out as a good thing in uh, when colleges look at students' transcripts because they see them as someone who goes above and beyond to look into and learn about things that the average student doesn't. So don't think you're doing a disservice to your student by by doing that either. But little by little, you know, just allowing them to to learn at their own pace and the things that they struggle with and allowing it to cap off wherever it caps off, but but just working on those things that they do so well at and and really praising them and celebrating that. I, I love that. It's 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 coming to that that closure on that specific mm-hmm. thing like you had to come to closure when it came to the algebra like it, it's amazing uh, when we when we let go sometimes what they will actually pick up and do oh, yeah. um exactly. I, you know and I think I, I love the way you worded it I mean when you say it in words it's it you realize how ludicrous it is when you mm-hmm. said um let's keep working on this thing that you're so bad at <laughs> It's like, yes, why would that be motivating at all to anyone ever? Uh Right. (laughs) And that does not leave, you know, I always liked as much as possible for my kids to have a very positive um, Mm -hmm. relationship with learning, Um, which meant sometimes my, my things that I thought were interesting or why wouldn't you be interested in that? Had to just mm-hmm. die. They had to go off to yeah. the wayside. That was my thing, not theirs. Mm-hmm. And and giving them that space to let their thing be their thing. And um, like you said, I, I've found this in high school, just translating what they're interested in and what they're actually passionate about into a category, if you can, because you know right. we like to 
make sure we can fill in the categories first if we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but other, but after that, um, I, I've been waiting to see, and, and maybe I'm just completely out of the loop. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I was thinking it would be so great if someone came up with a, a book that told you how to translate work experience and specific work experience into onto a transcript. Like, how do you word it in a way? I call it education ease. Um, and the and the just because it's sometimes hard to put it onto a transcript. Like, what is this actually? You know, if it, how, what does this translate into on a transcript? So, if there's any right. bright person yeah. out there who wants to write yeah. that book, I will buy it and I will promote it. <laughs> well, I know I I interviewed um, Vicki Tillman from Seven Sisters Homeschool mm-hmm. a while back, and we did talk about how to be creative with you know counting hours and um, Carnegie hours, and then going to your <laughs> your local community college website and seeing what they had listed for some of the crazy names of courses they have and and using that to put on your child's transcript based on whatever hours they had that you have a mix of and and so yeah it's possible it is it's it's really about being creative it's so fluid yes because you can put together a variety of different things it's like well like when I started my son out he wanted to do a, a a credit on IT. The problem was he started this course and it really was not a good fit. And I said, okay, you know what? We're not going to just keep going with this because you're frustrated um, and you're not learning anything. So let's just lay it down. What else do you want to learn? He's like, well, I want to learn how to build my computer. And that's kind of where that program came out of of looking for his parts um, that were at the cheapest price that he could find. And then he, of course, had to assemble all the pieces after he purchased them. And then he had to load up all the software and he ended up having to do a variety of different things. So in the end, he actually ended up getting over a credit worth of hours because of all the things that he did together. So we just called it computer studies <laughs> and and just lumped them all together into one. And, and then he actually learned the things that he wanted to learn and and he spent the amount of time that he needed to spend. Right, right. Yeah, I love that. I, I was thinking back about this, this, this education ease or this, you know, terminology. I love your idea. Going onto a college website and finding out, you know, what is kind of finding their terminology. Um, I did this back when our kids were very young. Um, I looked at some of the scope and sequence charts, which by the way, didn't last very long because <laughs> I'm a big fan of throwing those off to the side and have been for oh, decades yes. now. But just in re- it was it was very educational in reading how they worded things. Um, and as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, okay, as I'm reading through the words, I'm like, what would that look like as a kindergartner? And I'm like, um, well, that would look like baking cookies with them, right? And so... <laughs> You're talking about manual dexterity and fine motor skills. And I'm like, well, we can do that while we bake some cookies. We can do that while we're, you know, coloring or, you know, I try to just, just look at it. Like, what would it look like on a practical level? Just things we normally do every day. And it was interesting because I think that was really helpful. Um, I had to write progress reports for our kids that they were part of this this program that they went to once mm-hmm. they went once a week for classes but the deal was you had to write a monthly progress report which at first I hated mm-hmm. but I actually grew to love because I got really good at being able to you know um look back at my kids month and go oh my gosh oh, yeah. they're learning so much more outside of the book time 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I re- it helped me recognize and realize that they were having a lot of great experiences. They were learning a lot of things, but I could word it with those words that I had kind of learned uh, previously when they were younger, or or I just you know went to back to my vocabulary, my own vocabulary, and went this this sounds like it would be a good fit. But right. you know, and we had to have those approved every single month, and in all the years, this is twelve or thirteen years with anywhere between five and seven kids in the program monthly writing progress reports until they were in high school. Then I made them do it. Um, I never had one sent back to me saying it wasn't good enough. (laughs) So that little bit of just recognizing the connection between these big words and what's actually happening you know, in the learning situation, I think is really beneficial. So I think it's just something that I'm, I guess I'm throwing out there to moms is something to just sort of like be aware of and conscious of. And I think it can be super helpful for you as you uh, go into through these high school years with your struggling learner and can, you know, help translate um, onto the onto the transcript. But um, right. Anyway. And so yeah, my next point is, is about transcripts too. And it, it's just that we have to think about the transition, because um, oftentimes we program our children so much through their high school years, and then we finish off their high school and say, okay, now it's all up to you. <laughs> and um, we forget that we have to like ease them into this process, and it has to become, they have to take on that ownership over time. And the reason parents do this, that they program so much is because they're so worried about what's going to go on the transcript. And so I want to go back to what Dorinda and I were talking about just a little while ago. And you can be extremely creative, but I want you to really sit down with your student and, and talk about this. Where do you want to go and start this conversation in their freshman year or even before it? Now, it will change. <laughs> My oldest went from, I want to go, I want to be in the military the first year to, um, well, I think I want to be an underwater welder to, <laughs> I think I want to go into welding to, mom, I think I'm going to college and I'm going to major in biomedical engineering. <laughs> but each year we just kind of tweaked and changed what we were going to be learning, what was going to be on the transcript. And, and then in addition... I prayed and said, well, I think God wants to add this as well, Um, because you just don't know where it's going and you don't know how well your children are hearing this. (laughs) And so I really, I pushed my oldest, even though he said he wanted to do all these things, he ended up doing his first year of calculus still at home, not having any clue that he was going to go to college by the time he was done, because we actually graduated him at 17, sent him to welding school. And he came home after he had graduated and said that he wanted to go to college. Um, But God knew, and he had that all built into that schedule. But again, it it was back to how do we help you accomplish your plan? How do we launch you well? And, you know, that goes into life skills. It goes into a whole lot of other things, not just what we list on the transcript. And then setting that schedule, setting that time, making sure that Everything that we focus on that year is about that transitioning well and step-by-step making that happen to the point where they graduate. It doesn't mean they have to graduate at 18. There's a lot of students who struggle that don't graduate till they're 21. Um, and, and that's okay. 
but um, are we getting closer to those goals and and where they're going versus do we have a piece of paper that we can show everyone and say, oh, look at this, what you've done, and then nobody looks at it again. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I, and, I, and I hear between the lines of what you're saying, um, I, I was hearing something that I had had to start telling myself a long time ago. Um, we're, we are shooting for progress, not perfection. Yes, you know, so because true. at the end of the day, every day that plotting day in and day out does so much more for our kids than these yeah, big, huge, does. you know, forced or we try to force leaps or mm-hmm. and, and sometimes mm-hmm. leaps happen naturally, they but do. we need to let them happen naturally and not yeah. try to force them. And, and I think high school is a very tempting place to do that. Um, yes. And yes. so I love this this idea of um thinking you're basically you're you're planning with the end in mind um mm-hmm. call it like reverse engineering um right. our kids in education and i also another favorite of mine is reverse planning um mm-hmm. you know where we just write down at the end of the day we have we have things that like for instance our 17 year old there are things that he basic things that we try to he tries to make sure he does every day some math and some you know some writing and some reading and mm-hmm. but um, he's got biology. Um, but then there are other things that just sort of happen, things he yeah. pursues, or my husband says, hey, um, can you come help me with this remodel project? And then he just makes sure at the end of the day that he wrote down what he did that day and for how long. Right. Um, because yes. all of that is going gonna, is gonna to count on his transcript. And it's amazing how 30 minutes here, an hour there adds up to an entire class of remodeling a house with my dad, you know? Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I love that. So I think I, I love this sort of like fresh view of transcripts. And uh, I mean, transcripts are great. Um, someone described them to me as um, basically what, what you're wanting to do is to communicate to whoever uh, you're passing you know, maybe they're if they're going to college or if they're going to trade school, if they're doing some other kind of um, education, and you need to pass information on to someone like a counselor or you know a, a, a college counselor or whatever. Um, you have something that's tangible, a measuring stick, um, right. so to speak, mm-hmm. without um, obviously making the measuring stick too stringent. You know, but to be able to communicate to that person. All that your child does know and has experienced, and um, because you want that to be an accurate reflection of them, yes. and yeah, so, so yeah, true. yeah, that's yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my my best advice to parents is not to write your transcript out after till after you've finished a year of high school, right? Um, because you just don't know how it's going to go, and and we set some very lofty goals usually, and that that causes so much stress on mm-hmm. us and our students mm-hmm. when we do that. Yeah. Yeah. And and that really leads into this last point that I want to share. It's relationship over rules. Um, our children are becoming adults. And it, it, there's this give and take that we have. And I know, Dorinda, you, I'm sure you've gone through this with all of your children. Um, they, they want to be themselves. And they don't exactly always know the kindest way to do that. <laughs> um, and so we have to step back a lot of times as a parent and say, is this really worth the battle? Um, are the rules that I have in place, are they allowing my child to become the man or woman that they're um, 
transitioning into that God has made them to be? Or am I pushing my agenda like you were talking about? Um, And a lot of times I've just had to say, you know what? No, it's not worth it. Um, Because in the end, now having adult children, I'm sure you've experienced the same thing, is that I want them to come back to me when they do have problems. I don't want them to think of, oh, yeah, my mom's going to judge me. I'm not going to tell her. I'm going to go tell somebody else. My my kids are the first. I'm, I'm the first one on. Well, OK, they don't text me. I'm on a gaming app because that's how my kids interact with me. <laughs> <laughs> but I always get, you know, this, you know, my, my oldest son just moved to Florida to start his um, first job away from home. So we're a two days drive now from each other. And, and he's texting me pictures of his dinner because he wants to share it with me. That relationship is so important. I remember when he was in college, he was only what a 20 minute drive away, but he was living on campus and he would text me all the time about things going on in his classes and wanting to just share it. Um, not because I was an overprotective mom, but because we had that relationship and that was something I wanted to cultivate and to continue to keep going on. Um, and, and the beauty of that, that, um, we can, we can build that during our homeschooling years and, and when our children grow and are out of our house, that they still keep wanting to come back and not see our home as a place where, um, we're just, to set on our own agenda for their life instead of really trying to help them to be the person that um, they're growing into. Yeah, that's so good. It's so, so true. And especially in these high school years, it's, mm-hmm. it can be a little dicey sometimes, um, it can be. you know, because, it, and, and I'm always, I always tried to encourage there to always be a certain level of respect that they showed me, but also that I showed them. And sometimes that meant I, you know, like you mentioned before, I had to lay down my own agenda and realize it wasn't worth it at the end of the day. I mean, I can still tell my child, you know, this is why I think this is important, but I am leaving the decision up to you. And, and so when it's all said and done, if something happens and it it doesn't work out for them, um, they're not going to they're going to know that I'm not going to be, I told you so, or anything like that. Um, But that, that maybe I actually did have something valuable to offer and and they might want to like, you know, revisit that uh, some other time when they have a a struggle or something. So that really the respect level ends up growing when we, when we let go and we let them make that decision and, Mm -hmm. and don't tell them, I told you so if it doesn't work out well. And, um, and, you know, like this whole idea of allowing teens to fail um, mm-hmm. is is huge because we always had a saying that it's never a failure um, if you learn something from it. Right. And so even if you walk away and say, I, sh- I, I would never do that again, or that was a bad idea, <laughs> mm-hmm. you learned something because we can say, well, why do you think it was a bad idea? What made it a bad idea? And all of a sudden you've got all kinds of critical thinking going on and a great conversation and an opportunity to learn and walk away with, with more than just, Oh, that was a failure. Um, and, and like you said, at the end of the day, you want that relationship with your kids and we always want what's best for our kids, but sometimes we have, we do have to back off and we don't always, I think often we do know, but sometimes we don't. Um, know what's best for them. They actually know what's best. And maybe God's speaking to them and they're learning how to listen 
to his voice. And boy, that's way more important um, yes. than than hearing our voice. Um, and that's something, it's another thing we've always encouraged our kids, especially in the teen years, you know, when they're making decisions saying, uh, what do you think the Lord is saying to you? Do you do you feel like He's giving you any kind of indication either way? And 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 maybe they would say, "Well, not really." So we'll pray about it some more, and and then we ask them again later on. So you getting anything on that? Any kind of read on you know? And and so we're we're encouraging them to sort of hone in on their own relationship with God, and because we know at the end of the day they're going to spend most of their lives as adults, <laughs> not kids at home, and if they can hear from the Lord, um, that's huge. We have, it, it alleviates so many worries and concerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So good. So good. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been fantastic. Um, I am so uh, thankful that you were he- here today and, and spent this time with us talking about high school. Um, I get a, a lot of questions about high school from moms. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is going to be a really helpful tool um, for so many of them. And as is all the resources that you have to offer. Um, so again, just share with us real quickly some of the resources that you have to offer, and we'll make sure the links are in the podcast notes. Sure. Well, specifically for high school, um, on our website, which is spedhomeschool.com, S-P-E-D homeschool.com, we, um, we have a variety of different resources for parents, but we do have a high school checklist of just things that you can go through to kind of check off. It's um, not a long checklist, but just kind of as you're doing high school, am I, am I doing this? Am I doing that? Yeah. Okay. Um, but there's another sister website that we just launched um, recently. It's called the Empowered Homeschool Network. It's at empoweredhomeschool.org. And on there, we've just released um, in May of this year, a masterclass on homeschooling high school with a struggling learner. And together with about six of our partners, we created a 20 module masterclass that takes you through everything from getting started to finishing well, even through the guardianship process, if that's something that you have to walk through with one of your students. But, um, But it gives you each unit has probably a five to 10 page download of free resources that we have found um, on various places on the, the internet that are just really good resources for parents, even on how to get accommodations, modifications for the ACT, the SAT, um, but but even on picking curriculum and how do you work on social skills and help your student with their health and in just how to, a variety of different things anyways. But, um, but that's something to check out um, if, if you're kind of going through those high school years and saying, how do I do this? Um, but, but yeah. You, you mentioned that to me when we were um, at the last conference that we were, mm-hmm. I think we were having dinner. We were sitting across from each other and you mentioned that. And I thought, oh my goodness, what a wonderful resource for homeschooling families. So I'm really excited about this and I'm sure that it's going to be a huge blessing to so many families. So we'll make sure we include all that information in the podcast notes. And um, thanks again for being here. And we're going to go ahead and pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for this time together. God, thank you for our high schoolers. Um, Thank you for, this is such an exciting time in their lives. It can be a little stressful for us as parents, but thank you for the words that we heard today um, that are just so calming to our spirit. God, you've got this. You know our kids better than we do. We're listening for your voice. Um, You have a plan, a beautiful plan and a purpose for each one of our kids, including our struggling learners. And 
So God, I pray that you would help us to trust you, Lord, uh, with all of our heart and not lean on our own understanding, but just continue to acknowledge you in all of our ways. And we know that you will direct our path, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.